Welcome to Financial Modelers Corner, where we discuss the art and science of financial modeling with your host, Paul Barnhurst. Financial Modelers Corner is sponsored by Financial Modeling Institute. All righty. Well, welcome everybody to this LinkedIn Live. So this is the first LinkedIn Live we've done for the Financial Modelers Corner. So I'm really excited. I'm the host, Paul Barnhurst, and I have four fabulous guests here with me. And we're going to talk about financial modeling, lambdas, dynamic arrays. So we're going to go ahead and just give each of our uh, guests here a chance to introduce themselves briefly. And then we'll jump into some of the questions we have. So why don't we start with you, Jeff, if you could just give us give the audience an introduction about yourself. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having us on, on your show, Paul. Uh, my name is Jeff. I run a business in Perth in Western Australia called Access Analytic, which um, I set up about 20 odd years ago. So we do consulting and training and financial modeling and Power BI reporting and budgeting and forecasting and all sorts of things like that. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Craig? Hi, I'm retired. I'm Craig Hatmaker. Uh, <laughs> I've been retired now for about a month. Uh, so August 1st was my first day to retirement. I've been doing financial systems uh, before spreadsheets were around. And I've been doing financial modeling for some large companies like Canon Inc., but I've recently been working for a local government, and uh, right now I'm just enjoying life uh, traveling around. I'm currently in Pennsylvania. I'm currently outside of Harrisonburg. Harrisburg, excuse me. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with some of these great people. Well, thank you for joining us, Craig, and congratulations on retirement. So I hope you continue to enjoy that. Danielle. Hi, thanks for uh, thanks for having me back again. Great to see everybody. My name is Danielle Stein Fairhurst. I'm a financial modelling specialist. I'm based in Sydney in Australia, but uh, like the others, I do get to travel quite a lot. So um, I do training and consulting in mostly in the area of um, financial modelling. Thanks, Daniela. In uh, thanks, Paul and Craig. Congratulations on your retirement. I didn't know that as well. Good for you. We aspire to that. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Ian Schnur, and it's really great to be here as well. I'm actually going to be, you know, co-hosting a little bit with Paul. Uh, my entire career has um, been spent in financial modeling, and so it's a real treat to be here. Well, tonight it's this evening for me here in Toronto, Canada. I have watched and been part of podcasts with Craig, Jeff, and Danielle, and I know you're in for a real treat here. Today, this evening, this morning, this afternoon, wherever you are. And as I said, my background started in banking and then I ran a training company, a financial modeling training company for 20 years called the Marquee Group. And I probably taught tens of thousands of people financial modeling all over the world. More recently, I'm currently the executive director of Financial Modeling Institute, I think the world's only financial modeling accreditation organization, and thrilled that we are the sponsor of Financial Models Corner, the podcast. I've gotten to know Paul really well, and I have you know, been really uh, excited and, and completely into financial modeling for, for a long, long time, and really excited for you to hear from these guests today, because there's some really exciting new developments in Excel that are going to change the way we all do things. So great to be here. Thanks, Ann, and we're really excited to have you as the sponsor of the podcast, and we love what Financial Modeling Institute's doing. But uh, we're going to jump into our first question, because everybody here in the uh, panel knows it was about two weeks ago now, Microsoft announced that they're going to add Python into Excel, right? It's in beta, they've released it in beta, and it will be coming. So I'd love just real quick to maybe get some thoughts on what you think about that announcement, what it might mean. And Craig, why don't we start with you on that one? Well, first, I think it's real exciting and it's going to play well into something I'm going to be discussing. Because one of the things that Python brings is a suite of libraries that can do some amazing things. If you're an analyst, you're going to love the charts that it can create. You're going to love some of the libraries. One of the libraries that I'm most excited about is called RE, which means regular expressions. Regular expressions is a wonderful thing. It's in VBA, but it's not in Excel. What does that allow us to do? It allows us to find special patterns within strings, such as do you have a string? And in that string, is it a web address? Is it a uh, telephone number, a social security number, a name, a regular address? So some of the things that you might need to be doing, especially in FP&A, pulling information out of data, Python is wonderful. And I just got it yesterday. So I'm very excited about it. I can tell. Um, Danielle, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's interesting. We've got a comment from Joanne uh, saying it's really exciting, but gee, we have another whole language to learn to stay competitive. And that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, a lot of people ask me that. They go, oh my gosh, I've got to learn Python now. 
Um, so I think it's important not to freak out. I think Microsoft is doing a fantastic job of staying relevant. And it's really great, um, as Craig says, that we have it like all in one place so that um, you don't have to leave Excel to get the advantage of using Python. But I think it's important to know that you don't have to learn Python. You know, you can still do a lot of really cool stuff in Excel without learning it. So don't let it kind of put you off. I know it's really hard to know like where to start, but certainly for financial modeling, um, I really don't think it's necessary to learn Python, not just yet anyway. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you know, I will say with it coming, you know, with all these generative tools that can help write code, there's sometimes, you know, you could ask others to help with that. So there's things that will make it easier where you don't have to be a coder, nor do you have to use Python to be effective. I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Jeff, any thoughts from your end? Yeah, I think the most interesting things for me is be able to do the visualizations, um, as Craig mentioned. Potentially the other interesting thing I think is being able to have um, machine learning and AI sort of stuff built in as well. And uh, I'm not sure, you know, I would imagine a number of people have already started playing or started using the um, advanced data analysis that's in ChatGBT, and that generates Python scripts. So potentially you can use that to generate your Python scripts and um, create like a repeatable process for analyzing your data. Agreed. And we have a couple of comments coming in and, you know, one's talking about how it could cost a little bit more and we're still waiting for official word from Microsoft, but I've heard that as well. So, you know, that's one potential drawback, but obviously that's decision Microsoft will make, not one any of us can really do much on. And then the second, and I'll just address this real quick, you know, how spooked are we that private data is calculated in the cloud somewhere in a Python script? I would say you know, Microsoft is one of the most secure companies in the world. They've put the security in place. There's a lot of stuff calculated in the cloud today. Personally, I wouldn't be worried. I don't know if anyone else has a different feeling on this panel, but I feel safe that they've done their homework. Your Excel file is, if you're using the cloud version, is calculated in the cloud as well. So. That, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> thinking. So, If you're comfortable using Excel online, you using in, your data is in the cloud already. So. That's the other thing I was thinking as well, Jeff. Thank you. That's what I thought. So why don't we go ahead and jump in here? You know, we want to talk about dynamic arrays and, and lambdas. So why don't we start with just a little bit of uh, explanation of what dynamic arrays are? Right. They've really become a big talking point over the last few years as they've only been out, I think, what, 2019, 2020, somewhere in there is when they came out. So maybe, Danielle, could you start by just talking a little bit about what they are and you know, why they've kind of been such a hot topic? Well, the idea of a dynamic array is that you only have to calculate it in one single cell and the rest of it just kind of spills and it automatically copies either down or to the right, which is such a fundamental change from the way that Excel worked previously. Because before you would have to do your calculation and then you would need to copy it down or copy it across. And for financial modeling, particularly one of the most critical things is to have as few unique formulas as possible to try to have consistency in your formulas. And that's something that's, um, as a financial modeler, is really important to try to make sure that you have consistent formulas. And, it, and using dynamic arrays kind of forces you to have consistent formulas. And I think that's why it's just so fantastic for financial modelers. But it is, again, a really different way of using it. And even though it's been of using Excel and, and even though it's been out for a couple of years, I think people are still still struggle to kind of get used to how it works. And the other thing I'll mention is that you need to be using 365 or the very, very latest versions of Excel in order for that to work. And we had a question just previously about um, about Python and some of these new techniques and whether we would need to pay extra licenses to Microsoft to have this new functionality. And I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know that a lot, most of this new functionality is usually only available in 365. And so and I know a lot of, um, I've, I've had quite a few clients, especially recently, you know, they're using, they're not using 365, which means that they don't have access to uh, to some of these new features. So that's just something to consider that um, that you do need to be using 365 and you do need to have a 365 license in order to get access to this. Great call out there. And it's important to remember that as you're thinking about it. That's one of the reasons I like 365 is you get those monthly updates, but yes, there is a monthly cost. 
I think it's uh, well worth it for what Microsoft has done the last few years. And Jeff, could you maybe give an example of how how would you use a dynamic array? Like, I know you've built some models using dynamic arrays. I remember watching one of your webinars early on when they first came out. So could you maybe just kind of talk to how should people think about them? Like, what is a, just a general use case of how you think about using a dynamic array? You know, like Danielle was saying, you know, it's it, you can use them in your financial models. And Craig will no doubt give us a demonstration of um an extension of uh, some pretty amazing ways of using them in financial modeling, but they really make your model much, you know, much simpler, much easier, you know, much more extendable, you know, more reliable rather than sort of copying and pasting your formulas across and down. You just put one formula, it automatically copies itself across and down. And so, yeah, as, as you, as you mentioned, you know, we build a, a very simple financial model, but the entire thing, the three-way model was all done using uh, dynamic arrays. So you know, just adjusted one cell and we could change it from being 60 periods to 72 periods, for example, by, and every single formula would copy itself across the, the summary was automatically generated. You know, everything in the model was generated using dynamic arrays and we had one column with formulas in it and everything else in there was, was generated with the dynamic array formulas. It is really amazing to think that they can resize and adjust based on changing an input. Right, that, that dynamic nature. I think that covers dynamic rays. The other subject we're going to talk a little bit, and we'll come back to it, but it covers what the basics of they are. But I just have a question here. You know, Craig, I know you've been a big proponent of using lambdas, you know, something Microsoft also came out with that allows you to write custom functions formulas in the editor there inside Excel versus via VBA. But maybe can you talk a little bit to our audience of what lambdas are and you know, kind of how you think about them in Excel? Lambdas are a function that writes functions using Excel's native functions. <laughs> well, I'm glad you simplified that for us. Lots of Fs. <laughs> I like it. So first of all, it is all exclusively Excel's native functions. There are, there's nothing else in there. So if you know how to use sums, you can use that in a formula and you can put that inside a Lambda. The only difference is with the Lambda, one of the important differences that I are real important is that you can now create a lambda that has accepts parameters. So just like the function sum, which accepts a parameter, what range do you want to sum? You can create a lambda that says, I want to create, uh, I want to calculate dividends. And here are the things I need, the parameters I need for my dividends, and it will spit out those dividends. So you can create your own custom functions using lambda to do the things that are specific to your industry or specific to your business. And this is wonderful, but they are scary. They are not for most people. And that's where we're going to talk about 5G, and that's a little bit later on discussion. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that here uh, in a few minutes on that. In anything you'd like to add to the conversation? Any thoughts you have at this point? Well, listen, just enjoying it, and I tend to agree with everything that, that's, that's being said. I'm personally very excited about uh, dynamic arrays and the, and the usage of them in models. But I want to, I always come at it from a position that a model is is a tool that we want to build as simply as possible to capture all the relevant detail, but it is in as dynamic, um, you know, an organic way uh, so that it is clear and can communicate a, a clean story. And so I'm always trying to push for a clean design, clean approach to the way people do things. Dynamic arrays can help with that. It's really exciting. Just to elaborate on something Danielle said, not only, not, I mean, she mentioned that when you have a dynamic array and it, it just automatically fills a formula 10 years um, and it keeps a consistent formula in case someone didn't get that with a dynamic rate, you're not allowed to change what's in. That's the nice, you, 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 you physically cannot go to column six, seven, or eight or change it. It is not possible, which means if you, if you like the first column, you know, the rest have to be correct because no one has the ability to change it. So I just want to emphasize, and I like the comment that Joanne made earlier about the fact that this is all scary. You know, um, now, you know, in Excel, there's all sorts of other things you can do. Python, lambdas, dynamic arrays, uh, VBA, power pivot, et cetera. And I would say you don't need, I agree with Danielle hundred percent, you know, modeling is so much more than just uh, Excel. Modeling is about understanding a business, an industry. It's understanding how to design data. It's understanding how to speak a language uh, and tell a story. And the Excel is the tool we use. But, you know, listen, uh, I've met phenomenal modelers that really don't know VBA or other tools. So these are options you can add to your skill set. But I don't think you need to feel like you need to be mastering any of these tomorrow in order to stay up. This will all happen in time. And I would 100% agree with you on that end that, Right. You don't need to know everything about Excel. You don't need to know Python. You don't need to know lambdas. 
You don't even know, need to know dynamic arrays necessarily to build a good model. Now, are there things you could do with them? Could it make things easier? Sure. Are there benefits, pros and cons of learning them? Of course there are. But the key, like you said, is goes so far beyond Excel. You need to be technically proficient to do your job, but then you got the business modeling, the decision-making, the conversations with the business, all those other things that are so critical to the process and that play a very big role. I agree. You don't need to know Python. You don't need to know lambdas. You don't need to know dynamic arrays, but you do need to know what they are and how they can help you. you know, and I think that's important to stay up to date with all of these new features because um, you need to stay relevant. And yes, you don't need to go into a huge amount of detail of it, but you just need to keep up to date and know what these things are. Um, and um, and just a point on lambdas, um, I do love the fact that they simplify things for the user, but um, yeah, don't kind of get too bogged down in, in having to learn them, I suppose. Like, I guess I just wanted to mention that as well. Yeah, no, great part. And I, I do agree. I think it's really important that people keep up to date on the changes in Excel. Because, you know, with what I like, I kind of like to refer to it as modern Excel. When you think of Power Query, Power Pivot, you know, dynamic arrays, lambdas, Python, you can do a lot more with it than you can without it. There are things you can do with those tools that you just couldn't do without them. And so it's good to know about them. It's good to understand it. And you know, over time, they'll become more and more accepted. And I have to laugh at this one. We'll see. Any uh, Robert asked side discussion. Is it modeler or modeler with two L's? Should we have a vote? Who goes with one L? I'm probably the only one. Oh, yes. No, it's, it's, it's a U.S. spelling. I was going to say Craig would go with it as well. I wasn't sure where in would go on that one being in Canada, but. Yeah, my, my dummy's book was translated into American. I think I've told you this, Paul. I wrote it in English and it was translated into American because you guys. Yes, and they are different languages. Oh, I, go, I go both ways on that one, actually. I, uh, I'm global. I do go both ways sometimes as well. But thank you, Robert. I thought that'd be a fun little side uh, conversation there. So, all righty. Next year, I would just like to get your thoughts, Jeff. You've built some models, like I said, with dynamic arrays. So how have you found that? Have you found it easier? I mean, do you think the time's coming when all models will be built with dynamic arrays? Kind of what's your take there? Yeah, I think it certainly makes a lot of things easier. Um, I think like all, like all of these tools that we're talking about, you know, it's about using them when it's appropriate. So if you have them in your skill set, you have them in your toolbox, you can pull out the right tool for the right job. To me, that's really what, what all of these things are about. And they will make life a lot easier for many models. And, you know, like Power Query, like Python, like, you know, Dynamic Rays, like Lambdas, you know, all these things can certainly improve them if you know how to use them. So it, I, that's to me, it, it's, you know, you, what you'll see when when Craig um, shows us his model in 5G, you know, you, you can do some amazing things with with uh, with lambdas and potentially once you know how to use them, you know, you can build entire models using them. So you know, it's a it's a really fantastic tool, I think. But you know, do I use them for absolutely everything in every single model? Uh, not necessarily. Um, can I just ask a question of Ian? Is that something that um, will be included in the FMI exams going forward to use dynamic arrays as when you are completing the AFM exam? Yeah, it's an excellent question. So, um, you know, we are at, at FMI, we're completely agnostic as to how people build models. Uh, we want to see that people can take uh, a case study that has information in it and convert that case study into, and they effectively, you know this, right? Start with, uh, they start with three years of historical financial statements on the AFM exam. And we expect people to build a beautiful, well-designed, dynamic, three-statement integrated model with all the requisite schedules and calculations and all the uh, calculations working well. But we don't really, um, we don't care how I love what I, I love always looking at the different ranges of, uh, of solutions and, and, uh, and model results that come in when people submit their exams. Some people build very vertically, some people build very horizontally. People have personal views, but that's not relevant at FMI. We just want to see that they are all clean and organized. So I actually am excited to see the first day when someone submits a, an, an AFM exam built with dynamic arrays. I think that'd be fantastic and we'll showcase it. Uh, of course, that will be acceptable. Now, no one needs to use our learning materials, of course, but uh, they don't include dynamic arrays in the learning materials, but uh, we'll probably include that and maybe ask you to help with that at some point. Um, no, but people can build their models any way they like on the exam. And it, I, as I said, I'm excited to see the first person who does uh, their exam with dynamic arrays. Yeah, I was, 
I was wondering that because um, I don't know if you saw, but they just announced this morning I'm going to do a uh, financial modelling with dynamic arrays at the Global Excel Summit. Um, it's just been released. I can't wait to see it. We'll showcase it when it happens because, again, our position at FMI is not this is the right way or that's the right way. But, but what we all can agree on globally is the need to build models that are correct, accurate, that can tell a story, that they can communicate your message, and that you know have are variable and vol can can run scenarios, etc. So, how you get there? There's a lot of ways, and uh, I'm thrilled that people are doing things differently. I just might have to see if I can be the first one since I have to take that test here in a few months. I better get practicing if I'm going to do that. So, Danielle, I have a thought for you. What's you, you know, what's your perspective in general on using dynamic arrays today, and maybe kind of a little more long term, and lambdas when it comes to building models? Are are you using in most of your models, or how do you think about it? Yeah, I haven't felt the need to use lambdas a lot yet, but um, I'm sure I will. Uh, and dynamic arrays, I tend to sort of use them sparingly obviously if I know that the I need to make sure that the client's using 365 of course um, and I tend to use them intermingling with the functionality of you know there's there's these new functions in Excel which are just fantastic and I even though they've only been out for a short time I don't know how I lived without them and they are by definition a dynamic array so I'm using dynamic arrays all the time so things like you know sequence or filter or that sort of stuff is is so um, so useful in modeling. Thanks and I just want to comment here uh, Jeff just commented on Jacob Kearns he asked a question and you know, is the idea that the arrays would be the output or would it be used in conjunction with Power Query for final output consumption? You know, and Jeff commented on that. It's just made clear dynamic arrays can be used for both calculation and output. PQ is best suited for acquiring and transforming the source data. So really they're different. They're not something that necessarily works together. They both serve different kind of functions within Excel. I want to get Craig in here to talk a little bit. I know you're a big proponent of using Lambda. You've done a lot of work around that. You're working on a project called 5G Modeling. So can you tell our audience, you know, one, why you're a big fan, a little bit about what 5G is and what you're doing? Okay. So answer to earlier questions, do you need to know Lambda? Well, that's 5G is saying no. You don't, because we're going to let someone else who's an expert at someone who's advanced in Excel is going to, who is a subject matter or an industry expert, create that Lambda for you. And then they're going to put it on the internet and make it available so you can just download it and use it into your model. It's a simple, it's simple as bringing in a function and using it. You don't need to know how it works. It's just like in Python. You don't know how those libraries work. You just use them. You don't know how some works, but you just use them. Because you know they were created by an expert. You know they've been vetted and tested. That's what 5G is about. So people are going to be using Lambda. So it's native Excel. When you deliver your project, when you deliver your workbook to a client, it's a .xlsx. It's got no VBA. It's got no Office scripts. It's got no add-ins that are needed to use it. 5G is about creating these components by experts that you can then use without having to know exactly how they work to do complex things such as calculate dividends, do debt sculpting with interest averaging, things that would be maybe require circular references, no longer require circular references. That's what 5G is about, solving complex problems and putting them into a simple function that you can download and import, use into your Excel as though they were a native Excel function. So no, you don't need to know Lambda unless you want to be a Lambda component creator. Now that, yes, you need to know Lambda then. But if you're a modeler, if you're a fast modeler, you can use these Lambdas in your fast model. You can use dynamic arrays in fast models. We have converted fast models to dynamic arrays. We chose fast models because they're, I'm in touch with Andrew Berkeley about it. And we feel like fast models are probably appeal to people that have less technical skills than some of the other model standards. So if we can make it 5G, if we can make these 5G components work for fast models, they can work for any model. That's the whole concept of 5G. How will those be uh, kind of stored? How would people get those? Are, there, are they out there now? Or kind of talk a little bit about if I wanted to use one tomorrow, what would I do? So you could go to your browser and you could type in this keyword right now. So it's important to know that 5G is in its infancy because Lambda is in its infancy and it's growing. 5G grew out of, uh, out of an IT methodology known as CBSE, which is Component-Based Software Engineering. So we use that unique term, CBSE Excel Lambda, as keywords. When you go Google them, you will find 
some of my my libraries out there. So you use Google to search for CBSC Excel Lambdas. Later on, it will be 5G Lambdas, and it will probably be available through outlets like um, eloquence.com. And other people will be marketing them. I expect Jeff one day will have his company marketing them as well. Once you find them, they will be in something that's been known as a GitHub gist. I know that's a technical term, but it really doesn't matter. It's just a place where these Lambdas can live. And it's a place where advanced formula environment, which is an add-in, a free add-in by Microsoft Excel. Microsoft offers this add-in that will import directly from GitHub gist into your Excel model. So if you find it in Google, you copy the address, put it into advanced formula environment, it'll import it into Excel. And once it's imported, you no longer need the add-in. You now have the component and you can start using it right away. Thank you, Craig. And we'll put in the get the link for you, put that in the show notes for where people can find it. I know sometimes that can be a little scary here, a Lambda, advanced editor, downloading all these things, but it's no different than any other add-in that you add to your computer. You're basically going somewhere, you're downloading it, and it makes new functions available. All you need to do is know how that new function works. You don't have to know the details behind the Lambda. So it really, I will you know, back up what was Craig's saying, it isn't as scary as it seems. I've downloaded some other people's Lambdas before, from GitHub and by no means I'm a programmer. I don't write VBA. I don't don't know Python at this point, but I've used other people's. So it's definitely you know, relatively easy to do. You just have to uh, kind of make the commitment to give it a try is what I would say. In today's business world, financial modeling skills are more important than ever. With Financial Modeling Institute's Advanced Financial Modeler Accreditation Program, you can become recognized as an expert in the field by validating your financial modeling skills. Join the Financial Modeling Institute's community of top financial modelers, gain access to extensive learning resources, and attain the prestigious Advanced Financial Modeler Accreditation. Visit www.fminstitute.com backslash podcast and use code FMC15 to save 15% when you register. Jeff, just kind of changing gears a little bit. We've talked there on, you know, Lambda a little bit. I'm curious, you know, what do you think uh, dynamic arrays will uh, make modeling easier on the whole? Or do you find it's a little bit harder right now still when you're trying to do dynamic arrays after so many years of, you know, being used to drag over, drag down, the kind of traditional way we model. How has that transition been for you? Yeah, it's a good question, Paul. Um, I found, particularly when I was getting used to them, like it it actually took me much longer to build the model. And I I had to put a lot more thought into how I was actually going to do the the formulas in the first place. So perhaps there's more thought that would need to go into the design of the model and construction of that but then once it is once you've you've done that thinking and and constructed the formulas you need or or you're using the um the existing 5g you know lambdas or whatever once you've got those in there and built the formulas you need that actually makes your the rest of the model much much easier so it's a bit of a you know in some ways you go oh, just be easier just copy this formula across rather than putting a bit more thought and effort into actually building something that would automatically extend itself yeah, I mean, I was I was talking to uh, Luke Phillips, who's also on the call today from our office, about the the question of can we rely on someone else's lambda, for example, if we're going to build a model for a client, what would they think of that? You know, all those kind of questions. And our conversation was, well, if they've been tested, you know, like Craig's has been tested, it's you know certified these kinds of things, then yeah, but you know, by all means, we can we can use those in our models. So that was the. That was where we came to on that as well. How do you think, and I'll ask Daniel this, if someone's using all dynamic arrays for a model, do you think it's easier to audit? Do you think it would be more challenging? What's your thought? Because obviously many of the models we build have to be audited. There's you know, millions, if not more, in dollars of decisions being made based off these models. So what's kind of your thought if someone uses full dynamic arrays from an auditing perspective? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, and it would be so much easier to audit because you know that the formula is going to be exactly the same. I really like Jeff's point about the thought that needs to go into building the model. So you do need to, and 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 that makes it a better model because you've ha- you have to think a little bit more carefully about the structure of the model. So you can't just have, 
oh, this cell's different and this cell's different and, you know, have all these inconsistent formulas. So it is going to make it a better structured model in the long run, which is going to be easier to audit. I would agree with all that. And I would say that it would make it easier from a technical standpoint in some ways, because, uh, because yes, as we talked about, you cannot change. If you like year one, nobody can change anything in year five, 10, 20, whatever. However, uh, I just want to remind people that auditing is not simply a technical skill. It's not simply about checking accuracy of the formula uh, of the actual you know, formulas within the different columns, you can have all sorts of logical errors. You can have a balanced balance sheet at the model that's all wrong. You can have erroneous uh, assumptions. You can calculate things incorrectly. You can uh, you use you know a, a cost that's a fixed cost when it should be a variable cost or a semi-variable cost. Like auditing is much more than just knowing that the actual formulas are correct across. So I think there's, you know, again, a good model is thinking about uh, you can have inconsistency in the level of detail you're building in. So there's lots of other reasons and ways that, uh, that you know, we need to still be looking carefully at, at models, even though they're buildings, uh, even if one is built with dynamic arrays. But all those things exist without dynamic arrays, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying, yeah, yeah, right. Like you, you, I'm saying that, that that needs to be checked and, you know, carefully looked at and dynamic arrays help to avoid errors within years. I get that, that that's a nice addition, but it, it doesn't mean we can avoid auditing. You definitely need to continue, if, if, if a model has got any kind of significance, it definitely needs to be audited. I think the point that Daniel made though is it's the only thing it, that dynamic arrays would impact in model auditing is that you'd only need to check the first column. Correct. So it, it does reduce the effort. 100%. 100%. Yeah. The other frustrating thing sometimes when writing the dynamic arrays is that not all formulas spill and not all functions spill. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which I was really, when I was first looking into this, I was really, half the time I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then half the time I was like, ah, this is so frustrating. <laughs> so it was a mixture of those two. I agree with you, Jeff. I remember... The first one of those, I think it was one of the first webinars you did on dynamic arrays. And you're like, I'm trying to figure out how to get this one. I couldn't get it to work. And here's how I did it. And I remember trying to copy some of what you did. This was a few years ago and doing some of my own. And I started trying to do it a few models and have areas where I'm like, forget it. I'm just going, or, you know, I'm practicing on my own. I'm just going normal. I'll figure it out later because it can be tough to, it, it, it takes some work to get there. But I like what uh, David Thompson added. And we see Lance Rubin as well, right? Much, much easier to audit the model only one formula per block. So I think we're all in agreement it's easier to model the logic, right? To check if the formulas are right, all those type of things. But it doesn't change. All the other stuff still needs to be modeled. You still got to have a good model. Whether you use dynamic arrays, don't use dynamic arrays, lambdas, do it in Google Sheets, do it in some other platform. You still got to audit it and make sure you've used good logic and that the numbers are supportable and it can support the business decision that's being made. None of this changes that. All this does is, you know, allow you different ways to build your model at the end of the day. Jeff, do you have any do you have any of your favorite functions that are not spillable? Have you have you do you have that secret list now of some tools that you wish were <laughs> spillable but that don't work? Oh, where do I start? Um, yes. One of the most painful ones that doesn't spill would be things like and and or. Like the fact that you've got to use brackets and times by this and plus that, like that's just annoying. Like, why do you just make and spill or all spill? Anyway, that's I'll leave it at that. That that could be frustrating. And I'm just going to ask, just kind of for fun here, get everybody's thoughts. If they have a favorite right now, spillable function. So maybe one of the few dynamic rays or a favorite that they really like to use that they've uh, found they enjoy. So Craig, we'll ask you if there's one that you really like that you're using a lot. Sequence. It's it's foundational. Yeah, I, I love sequence. The other day I wrote something and I put rows in and as soon as I got done and it worked, I was like, why didn't I just use sequence here? Because you just kind of have it like, you know, you forget sometimes. And I was like, wait, sequence would have been perfect for this. Jeff, how about you? Uh, I'll go with let as a two-edged sword. <laughs> and why is it a two-edged sword? One, because it's great. You can build more complex functions and more complex logic into your formulas and two because it allows you to build more complex stuff into your formulas <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> I, that, that's that's about right. right you i've seen some very complex lets where it's you know you think it was hard to model some before you know to be able to audit troubleshoot somebody's formula get a really complex let with a bunch of different dynamic arrays and you'll be there a while troubleshooting it you got to be careful it's great and it can shorten formulas but 
can also make it harder to understand them at times. Danielle, is there one that you have? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Lance here and say unique. I mean, obviously all the others everyone's mentioned, but love the unique. Um, someone has asked a question about pivot tables. I mean, pivot tables are really only for data analysis. And if you're building a fully dynamic financial model, it's not really necessary to include a pivot table because um, unique will often sort of do what you um, what you would use a pivot table for previously, like a unique and a, and a sum or something like sum if or something like that. You know, funny enough, I would probably go with unique. That's probably the one I've used the most as well. I mean, there's a few I really like, but that is toward the top of my list for sure. And I love to see people's reaction when you train somebody and they're like, wait, you can do that? You mean I don't have to copy this list over here, go up there and remove duplicates? <laughs> right? You know, so it's a big one. And do you have one that you like? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I love what Jacob mentioned. I mean, all the sort, filter, unique, those are amazingly powerful on the data management side. I, I On the modeling side, though, I have to agree with Craig. I mean, you know, knowing how to get sequence going is is game changing. It changes everything because once you drive your once you drive your headers and your your columns with sequence in the forecast model, everything else flows off that. So it is unbelievable to watch an entire model grow and shrink uh, because the sequence function is is automatically changing based on one input. Yeah, no, thank you. And I just want to share here. Uh, David Thompson put out a comment, and just so people know, recently we had him on a podcast episode that will come out here in the next month about the history of modeling with a couple other people we talked about, you know, just over the years, how things have changed. So stay tuned for that. It's a fascinating episode, but I like what he said. He had spoke with Jeff a while back and then applied dynamic arrays to his master model. And he said, it's a game changer, but he does point out, as Jeff said, so much harder initially to make it work in large models due to the complexity and lack of some of the basic things we would normally use. So I think the general message, whether, you know, dynamic arrays, lambdas, getting used to any use of this is going to take some time, but there are some really neat things you can do. That leads me to a question I would like to kind of ask each of you. Do you think the day will come when the standard is to build models using dynamic arrays and lambda? Do you think that's where we're heading or what's your thought? Why don't we start with you, Danielle, on that question? Yeah, great question. And these things, it is incredible how long it takes for these things to become mainstream. <laughs> I mean, how long has it has Power Query been up? And yet I go to a class and ask, you know, how many people have used Power Query? Often not many of them. They've never heard of it. Yeah. 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 It takes a really long time. And yeah, yeah. So it's just, I, I think it, we will get there. Um, and what you were saying earlier about unique versus remove duplicates, like I've had people go, wow, remove duplicates, amazing. And they've only just discovered that. <laughs> it can turn of even better than that. So, you know, there's just so they keep adding all of these new features and it does take a really long time for it to become standard and mainstream in the financial models. Yeah, no, I agree. It definitely could take a long time. Craig, what's your thoughts? Where do you think we're heading? Oh, yeah, it's going to be dynamic arrays. And oh, and I hate, I'm going to sound like a broken record, 5Gs. Uh, the reason why I say that is because people who adopt that technique are going to create dynamic models, not static models. They're going to do it faster. It's going to be more robust because, as Daniel pointed out, you only have to check one column. They can't be inconsistent. If you want, if you're going to be competitive as a financial modeler, people are going to want you to create dynamic models. They want you to do it faster. They want you to do it more robust. That's the only way to do it. Dynamic arrays and, and with 5G is the way to go. Thank you, Craig. And question for you, if people, I know you've done some videos, I think there's some stuff out there where you've shown some examples. So someone wants to see you building with 5G, is there anything on YouTube or a way they can see that? So Beyond Excel is our BXL and YouTube. If you put my name in there, Craig Hatmaker, those will come up. One of the things that a video that I have planned that has not yet been done is showing how I converted a full stack modeler's uh, fast model using dynamic arrays and 5G. So the idea is here's how we could do it step-by-step step, taking someone else's model, a fast model, and how we convert it to dynamic arrays. And it addresses all the problems that have been discussed, something like how do you do sum of columns when sum doesn't, when you try to use a sum in a spilled array, it sums everything, not just the column. So we show how to resolve that and how to resolve it without having to learn lambdas. So that's the point, how to do it easily, um, how to convert these models quickly and easily. 
Thank you. And I'm going to put this question up here and give this one to you, Jeff, because it comes from Wynn here. <laughs> he says, and I want to just your thought on this, likely AI will take over before we all get to building full models in DA. Basically, AI will be <laughs> building the models. What's your thought? What's coming first? Uh, well, we have dynamic arrays now, and I think the AI still has a little way to go before we're all out of a job. So um, still got a way to go there. Yeah, I mean, there are there are many frustrating things about dynamic arrays still, like, you know, you can't do an array of arrays, for example, in that always that frustrates me, for example, you know, trying to get a summons, for example, to spill across and down those kinds of things. Yes, you can make it do that if you do some lambdas and all this sort of stuff, but like just things like that should be in there. Um, the formatting should spill with it as well. Thank you. Yes, I'd love the formatting to spill. <laughs> That annoys me every time. Like, why doesn't the formatting spill? Why do I have to copy my formatting? Anyway, AI is doing some amazing things. And, you know, we've done some demos of that at different conferences and webinars and so on as well. But you can you can build quite complex models, probably more so on the data modeling side and without necessarily even needing to write Excel formulas or, or Python code or, or anything else for that matter, or even do um, Power Query. You can do a lot of stuff just using AI and just using natural language. So I don't know. I'm not still not sure we're gonna it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a long time till we actually see and do all the things we could do in a financial model and get it to do what we want it to do reliably <laughs> um, uh, in in just AI. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. And we'll uh kind of end this part here with uh Dave's comment. When I'll be drinking mojitos on the beach in the Great Barrier Reef before it does, though. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> we know what David will be doing. I'll give one last thought. In any thoughts on this kind of discussion around, you know, all this? I mean, listen, I love the conversation. I love the chatter on the side as well. Of people are engaged. And I really, I just want to emphasize, I mean, I, I, I love all the new technology that's coming out. I think it's fantastic. The people in this table around this room are on the cutting edge of learning it and helping to teach uh, a lot of people in the, in the world, people in this uh, webinar tonight or this morning, wherever you are, are, are wanting to get there or maybe you're already there, some of you, um, which is great. But I would say keep in mind that you know a lot of the modelers, forecast pe people who build forecasts in, in the world are, are not there and they don't want to get there necessarily. And they, you know, so I think your specific question was, will this become the required standard? Will you have to know how to use dynamic arrays to build models? Uh, I, I'm going to take more of a Luddite answer and say, I don't think it's going to become the requirement um, as Danielle said, these things take a long time to change. And there are still, there are a lot of, you, we all know that there are a lot of senior people that, that want to understand something, but don't want to have to crawl through new technology. They just want, I've met lots of senior people in my days that just want to see simple additions and subtractions because they want to understand every single cell. And, and you can't fault that if that's what they want. Um, and so I think we've got a long time before everything out there is going to be using some of this technology. And that's okay. Uh, Excel is just a giant piece of paper. And if you want to um, use, you know, simple rows and add things up and subtract them to get where you need to go, that shouldn't be frowned upon either. So um, I don't think it'll be the standard for a long, long time, but I love that it's happening. And I love that we're getting capacity and capability to do things that we could never do before. I think, you know, kind of sum this up as a general rule, I think the overall view is we're not there. If we do get there, it's going to be a while. You know, some think it may be a little quicker than others. Some think AI may get there first. But like anything in Excel, we've all seen adoption doesn't move fast. There's still lots of people that have no idea that Excel spills. Lots of people don't know about Power Query or, you know, Power Pivot. And, and that's okay. Some people don't need to know that for the job. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it just shows that the adoption takes a long time. So I think that's the important thing to keep in mind with all this. It's important to learn about, as Danielle pointed out. I think it is good to understand what's coming, to be on the cutting edge, but also realize that it doesn't mean everything's changing tomorrow. You don't got to panic, as some people said on here. Should I be worried? Oh, no, there's all this stuff to learn. You can take a deep breath. You can slowly learn it. You'll bring it in and find ways to be better at what you're doing. What I'd like to do, and we'll start with uh, dynamic arrays, just would like to get each of your advice. If you know the audience wants to get more familiar with them and better, you know, what advice would you offer them? And we'll start with you on this, Jeff. Any advice you'd offer? There are a few people on this call that have some really great training resources. So um, <laughs> some great training courses. But in addition to that, you know, there's a uh, few people on this call that have some really great uh, YouTube 
resources as well. So, um, you know, the, you can learn a lot for free on the internet as well. So, so many resources out there. If you start Googling, you know, how do I get started with dynamic arrays, for example, you know, you'll find tons of YouTube videos. You, you know, you can get started in that. For me, it was um, just, okay, learn the basics and then start experimenting. I love that. Learn the basics, then start experimenting. There's lots of resources out there. Uh, Daniela, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think just jump in there and start doing it. You know, uh, as the next time you're building a formula in Excel, just say, hey, maybe can I make this dynamic? Does it need to be a static formula? Um, you know, just use every opportunity that you get to try out new features. Um, and as Jeff said, there's lots of um, resources, you know, describe, uh, subscribe to some of the MVPs that have YouTube, YouTube channels. And, you know, they're always kind of uh, bringing out tutorials on how to do these things as, as they come out. So stay up to date that way. Great. Craig, your thoughts? I love Mike Gerben's Excel is Fun channel. He has tons of information out there about dynamic arrays, and it's very easy to understand. I think he does a great job. So do some of the other YouTube uh, influencers, but he's probably the one that I would suggest going to first because of the number of videos he has out there and the practical applications he shows. And something uh, one of our audience mentioned here, you know, meetups is a great way to learn. We have that from Lance Rubin. I'll add, you know, Mike Gervin is great. He has a great book. It's like 800 pages long. I have it back here. I won't pull it out, but it's about this thick. It feels like around 365 that goes into dynamic arrays. Another really good one. And, you know, we will be able to see this on the podcast, but there's a book called Up, Up and Array. It's the only one I've seen completely dedicated to arrays, full book by uh, Abbott Katz. So there's lots of resources. It's a matter of just taking the time and diving in. And Mike is great. Mike wrote the book where I started to learn arrays before dynamic arrays, control shift enter. And I went through that book and I, I learned a ton. We've come a long way. If any, anyone who uh, has used Excel for a long time definitely remembers control shift enter. And some are probably still using it if they're not on 365. So next question, I'm going to kind of do the same question. We'll start with you, Craig, on this one. If our audience wants to become more familiar with lambdas, what advice would you offer? Well, Mike Irvin, uh, Leela has some excellent content on YouTube. That's probably the best place to start. I think the YouTube channels uh, do a good job of explaining it. Again, I, I have to say, I really like Mike Gervin's approach on that one as well. So, I think Mike Gervin is fabulous. You know, Danielle's mentioned Leela, Mindy, Shandu are some great ones. So really, it feels like there's kind of consensus. And we'll, we'll ask a little bit more here, but we're definitely hearing there's a lot of people out there you can follow. It's just making that commitment to try to figure it out. Jeff, any thoughts there on Lambda that you would add? I think that's pretty much been covered. I can't think of any other <laughs> ones that I would highly recommend. We have a YouTube channel and we talk about those kinds of things from time to time as well. Great. And we'll make sure we put your YouTube channel, send it to me. We'll put it in the show notes and you can all send me some of these resources and we'll make sure we put them in there so people have them. In or Daniela, anything you'd add on Lambdas? I wouldn't add on lambdas, but more more generically, bigger picture, I would say that, you know, I think everyone on this call would agree that that in any profession that anyone's in, you know, I think we would all agree that the best people in any discipline and any profession are try to stay current and stay relevant. And so even if you don't want to even if you don't want to ever build models today with lambdas or VBA or dynamic arrays, whatever you can add to that list, I still believe that it's important to be aware of them and understand them because what I can promise is one day you will receive an Excel spreadsheet that someone else built that has these things in it. You will get a spreadsheet that's got a dynamic rate in it. You will receive a spreadsheet with a bit of VBA. And even if you wouldn't have done it that way yourself, you don't want to feel like you're out of your depth. You want to be able to say, I, I get, I understand what you're doing. Maybe I don't quite understand that Lambda or that dynamic rate, but I'm familiar with it. I'm aware of it and I can go figure it out. Um, and it's really important because we're going to see that more and more in people's tools. And so I, I really, there's so many resources. It's unbelievable compared to when I started my career um, or most people, there's so many resources that are free and available. They're amazing. Yeah. Slowly start to pick, learn about this. Even if you're not expert at it, become familiar with what's out there. Great. Thank you, Ann. And just, we'll kind of do a wrap up here. Just give each of you an opportunity, just any last thoughts on this subject or any advice you'd like to offer the audience. And Daniela, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, probably more just what I've already said, which is just get in there and start doing it. I mean, it's you can learn by listening to podcasts. You can watch YouTube, but there's nothing like just jumping into Excel, getting your hands dirty and actually doing. 
totally agree, right? You can watch as many videos as you want, but at some point you have to practice. Craig. So when I was working, um, I was in charge of putting Microsoft 365 on everybody's desktop. But at home, I decided to invest in the beta channel so that I could experiment with all these things. Now, there's no better teacher than experience. If you can afford it, put beta channel on your, or preview channel, insider's edition on your home computer and play with it there. Go to some of these YouTube channels, try what they have to say, uh, what they show. I think that's the best teacher's experience itself. Play with it. Only learn what it is that's helpful, but never be afraid to learn what's helpful. Thank you, Craig. I think that's a good advice. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what the others have said is, is all quite relevant. And in addition to that, I'd just say, uh, you know, we also, in terms of our own office, you know, we gather together, we, have, we learn from each other. And it's not until you actually get out in the field and start trying to apply it to a practical problem in real life that you actually start to go, okay, well, you find the limitations. You also are forced to kind of learn the new things that you, how do I do this? How do I solve this particular problem? Okay. I've got to find something. I'll talk to someone. You know, all of those kinds of things happen in the real world when you start to actually try and apply it to a, a natural problem. So I think real life is the best kind of teacher and trying to apply it to, to real life is where you learn the most. Couldn't agree more. And I think that's a kind of great place to end the discussion is there's no better uh, way to practice than real life on with your real data, with real examples and learn and push through those challenges and sometimes watch a video again on YouTube or talk to an expert. So great advice. So before we wrap up, just want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. You know, we try to cover as many of your questions as you can. We really appreciate them coming in. Also want to especially thank our guests, each of them for joining us in, Daniela, Craig, Jeff, and just give them one last chance. If anyone from our audience maybe wants to get a hold of you or follow some of the work you do, what's the best way for them to follow you? And we'll start with Jeff. The easiest way for me is probably on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Jeff Robson or Access Analytic, either one of those. If you want to find Win from our office, he's, he's our main person that does our YouTube channel. There's a couple of really great resources there. Craig? I agree. Connect with me on LinkedIn is the best way. Danielle? Yeah, LinkedIn, of course. And uh, I just want to mention I do really enjoy um, Jeff and Win's um, YouTube channel. It's great. Yeah, I've watched some videos as well. I agree with you. They have some really good stuff out there. And in, how about you? Jeff, now I know why Wynn was asking you all the hardest questions. <laughs> is, same thing. LinkedIn is great or uh, at uh, Financial Modeling Institute's website, which is fminstitute.com. It's easy, easy to find me. Yep. Well, thank you. And, and just, you know, as a reminder, Financial Modelers Corner is sponsored by FMI. And if you go to the FMI website, you use the code podcast, you can get 15% off on their accreditations, their fundamentals training. So if one of you are wanting to level up your financial modeling skills, it's a great program, great accreditation. And again, thank you to all our, our guests and thank you for joining us wherever you, wherever you are, evening or morning, whatever time it may be for you. Thanks for uh, joining us. Financial Modelers Corner was brought to you by Financial Modeling Institute. Visit FMI at www.fminstitute.com backslash podcast and use code FMC15 to save 15% when you enroll in one of their accreditations today.